0: Hey there, I'm Rachel Ering and you're listening to the Top Music Piano Podcast. Get inspired as we discuss creative resources, trends in piano pedagogy, ways to grow your income and streamline your studio, and new ways to engage your students each week. If you are a teacher who wants to go beyond the method books to create an innovative studio that fosters lifelong music makers, you've come to the right place. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Jennifer Fox about summer camps. Jennifer has so much experience in this area, and I really enjoyed my conversation with her. I know you are going to be inspired by her ideas on this topic. With over 30 years of summer camp experience, Jennifer Fox runs a successful piano studio in Arizona. In addition to teaching, she is nationally recognized from her website, musiceducatorresources.com. Where she blogs, shares music teacher tips, and creates innovative music education resources used by teachers and students around the world. Whether teaching piano, presenting at conferences, or developing new resources, Jennifer is passionate about music education and dedicated to helping students and teachers achieve their full potential. Here's my conversation with Jennifer Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little about your teaching studio.
1: Okay. Well, my studio is in Arizona and I teach in a way where students come for both their lesson and a music lab. And so I either have two students here at the same time or three students here at the same time. So if it's two, one will be with me and the other will be in music lab and then Another, um, if it's three of them, then they'll rotate between lab stations and, and then me.
0: Nice. So we are here today to talk about summer camps. I know that this is something that you have a lot of experience with. So why don't we start out? If you could tell us, why do you think summer camps are a great option for piano teachers in the summer?
1: Yeah. So I've been holding summer camps for 30 years now (laughs) and I would not be doing them if they didn't have such a huge impact in my studio. Um, So I I think I probably just narrow it down to three big benefits that I have found, um, you know, to run them. Uh, One of the biggest frustrations I hear from teachers is that families don't want to have lessons during the summer um, and they're losing their income. And summer camp fixes that this problem because not only you retain your income, but there's also opportunity to make even more during the summer. So that's a huge benefit uh, for doing it. And second, it's a win-win for both teachers and parents because it fixes the problem where families might have other plans and don't want the consistent lessons. I live in Arizona and it's hot in the summer. And so everybody wants to escape the summer heat or they have uh, swimming lessons and you know all sorts of things so it allows them to do their thing and then of course not lose that income but it also allows teachers and students to take a break and I'm a big believer in taking breaks it's good for our mental health and our physical health and then um, I would say our last benefit would be one of my favorite things is just the friendships that it creates. With them, it it builds community within the studio. I've I've literally watched friendships get tight and grow um, because of the summer camps and the different group experiences that we do. So it's a lot of fun to see that.
0: Yeah. Community building is so big in the summer at those camps, huh? Can you tell us a little about the format that you use for your camps as far as how long they are, how many hours a day, all of those things?
1: Yeah. So this has changed over the years. (laughs) When I first started camps, I did them five days a week, two hours each day. And then I went to do eight-hour camps, and I would divide that within two to three days. And then sometimes I might have them choose to... Two four hour camps. And at, when I reduced them to four hours, I typically called them workshops instead of camps, but it was the same idea. They were just shorter and then they can choose. Um, but over the years, I, I just find the older I get, the more I want to simplify. So now I just do those four hour camps. And there have been times where I just do one option. And there have been times where I do several options and they could choose which one. The bonus of having several options is it's opportunity to make more income because if you have your camp includes so many options and then, but they want to do them all, um, you know, they would pay extra. So these days, (laughs) how I do it now is I actually give an option of doing a summer camp session or a summer practice packet, which is a set of video lessons And um, or for an extra cost, they can do both options. And I do have a handful that do both options, which is nice because that's just extra income for me.
0: So let's talk about how the summer now, I know you said you've done different things. So now maybe even looking ahead to this summer, how does it look for you and how does it look for a student as far as the time that you're putting in and the time that they're putting in? In relation to the camps, like how many... Weeks are you teaching camps? And then how many
1: weeks are your students coming to camps? Yeah, that's a great question. So now it's just for them, it's just a four-hour camp period. Um, so that could be one day or it could be two days, just depending on the session they sign up for. Uh, and then uh and then the practice packet is a four-hour video lesson packet type thing. So it's it's actually really short. But for me, I have several, I might have several weeks that I'm doing it, you know, two to three weeks, depending on the sessions I offer.
0: Okay. And for the practice packets, are you doing individual videos for each student or is it a packet that everybody does the same?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the practice practice are based on levels. So then I'll see, I'll do videos that are a certain level and then whatever students are in that level, they'll receive those.
0: Okay. So you're not doing necessarily one for every student, which cuts down on your work, but they're getting the one that's appropriate for their level. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the big
1: question. How do you price your summer camps? Yeah. So in the past, an eight hour camp uh, would include two months tuition. For a few years now, I started including my summer camps in my yearly tuition. So when students sign up for lessons, it's already included uh, in their monthly payments. So by the time May rolls around, their camp is actually already paid for and they don't have a payment at all um, come summer.
0: So you roll it into like a 10 month um, tuition. And so they, they're they not paying in the summer, but they've already paid for the summer camps. Am I understanding that? Yes.
1: Yes. And I also do a Christmas camp in December. And so it includes that as well. So yeah, it's like an all inclusive, you know, everything. <laughs>
0: That's great. I like that idea at Christmas camp, because I know a lot of parents, even if you've split up the yearly tuition over the months, they feel like they're getting gypped in December because
1: they get a few weeks off. Yeah. Yeah. It works nice and they love, the students really love it. Oh, I bet. There's so many fun things you could do with that too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So when you're planning your camps, one of the things that I've thought about is I bet there's a lot of hidden costs that I wouldn't think about until I was planning. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, I want to have snacks. I want to have prizes. I want to have all these other things. Can you talk a little about that and how you incorporate that into the, the fees so that you don't end up uh, losing money in the process?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So if you're not including in in your tuition, and even if you are, you have to think about all this stuff too, you know, so, you know, what to charge (laughs) regardless so yeah yeah. yes you'll want to plan on snacks for sure um that you don't want to provide if you don't want to provide snacks you don't necessarily have to if uh, you could have them just bring their own snacks so if you don't want to worry about that because there's a lot of allergies you know going on and stuff nowadays and if you don't want to just worry about that just tell them to bring their own (laughs) And then depending how long the session is, because I do have occasionally I'll have just four hour and one day session, I'll actually have them bring their own lunch. So if it's more of a snack, I'll go ahead and handle the snacks. But if it's a lunch, I won't do the lunch. They'll bring their own lunch. Crafts are a great brain bake activity. So if you can include it, I would recommend it. But there's a cost to crafts typically. So you want to think about that but i love doing crafts because it gives that downtime it gives them the opportunity to just chit chat you know while they're doing the crafts which is kind of fun to hear those conversations that are going on (laughs) um and then of course if you want to purchase a camp there will be a cost with that and any games that might go along with what you want to do Uh, when i first started summer camps i did purchase my camps and it saved a lot of time a lot of lesson planning time Everything was just spelled out and it really reduced the stress of trying, you know, to do a summer camp. And then one other thing that uh, I invested in many years ago was a projector. And I use it all the times in camps. Um, Not something you typically think about, but I use it to project games and all sorts of things.
0: I'm curious, do you, do you do your camps outside or indoors? Because I'm sure space could also be an issue for teachers.
1: Yeah, I do both uh, depending on the camp and I'm in Arizona, so we have to, (laughs) it gets hot. So it gets a little tricky. So if I do have outdoor activities, they have to be, you know, timely. You know, I have to keep that in mind when I schedule the sessions, when it's going to be and, when we're gonna, we have to do it at the beginning of the camp because it'll get too hot later, and <laughs> all those kind of things. You, you know, you don't think about.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you mentioned purchasing camps, and I know that you have some summer camps available for for teachers to purchase. Can you talk a little about those and what's available?
1: Yeah, um, so I would say my "Let's Go to the Movies" is definitely a popular one uh, with both my studio and with other teachers. And that one, uh, students learned about silent films and became actors in their own silent film. So they they created their own silent film. that came up with a story and everything. And then they had a chance to play along with their silent films and other silent films. And then I had an opportunity where they were played more of a producer role where they would choose music that would go along well with a particular silent film. And, and we would have different um, kind of watch different, um, you know, possibilities and see, okay, that doesn't really go with that kind of thing, you know? And then they also learn about film scoring uh, careers and history of silent film and, and and music film in general, and then music composers. So that one's a fun one. And then my students also loved our stop, uh, anim, stop motion animation camp. <laughs> so in that one, they learned how to do stop motion animation. They create their animation story and learn how to create short animated sequences and bring their stop motion animation movie to life. And of course, how we bring it to life besides, you know, moving the objects around is through music (laughs) because you're thinking, okay, stop motion. What does that have to do with music? But yes. And so um, bring it to life with music and optional sound effects and, of course, narration. They loved that one. Um, And we work with different art mediums. So we'll work with clay animation and then toy animation and, you know, experience different different things.
0: That sounds so fun! I want to come to that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was so,
0: fun. do they compose the music, or they find
1: music that's already composed, or what? You can, but we we just found music already. Um, yeah, that if you wanted a longer camp, that would be a perfect thing to to do that with.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. tell us what's included if a teacher purchases one of your camps. What are they? What should they expect to get in the
1: packet? So pretty much my camps include everything that they would need. Um, if if it doesn't include a particular thing that I had to use, something outside of something that I can include, then I would I would note that that, for example, stop motion animation, I recommended a particular app um, that we used. But uh, as far as any others, I would, you know, if it included or if we did particular games, I would include the game. Uh, that kind of stuff. So all the lesson planning, I break it down, you know, this, this should be about this long in length, what I found, but of course, you know, that will vary. So you have to have a little bit of wiggle room depending. I notice when I do my camps, the, depending on the group, sometimes I'll go faster with one group and slower with another. So you just have to keep stuff like that in mind. Yeah. Is there an age range that they're geared toward? I personally like to have mixed age camps because it's easier for parents, (laughs) you know, when I teach a lot of siblings. And so it's easier for them to just, you know, uh, bring all their kids there. So that's typically what I do. But if I have a particular like I have done an accompanying camp and conducting camp as well, and the accompany one in particular is more geared towards the older kids. Um, So it'll just depend on the camp. But most of them are mixed.
0: Okay. So you mentioned a couple that I think are some favorites of your students. Is there one that is a favorite for you to teach?
1: Yeah. So I I did love the ones that I mentioned, but I do also like to do a practice camp every few years with my students. And the nice thing about that one is, even though I repeat it, uh, I probably do it every three to four years. The experience is different for students the second time they take it, because like if they started at eight years old and then had it at 11, the maturity level from eight to 11 is different. And then their level in playing is also hopefully (laughs) different. (laughs) And so they get new things out of it. And they usually don't remember, you know, a few years prior You know, they might remember some things, but not everything. Can
0: you give us an example of what the practice camp looks like?
1: Yeah. So we go really dive into ways that they can practice um, anything from like color coding, you know, we'll practice the color coding and breaking out sections, how to bridge sections together, you know, really the practice tips that you want them to be doing and really going into that. And then I'll have, you know, I'll have like, like I said, I like crafts and Uh, they're good um, brain break activities. So I'll have maybe a craft that they'll make something that has to do with their practicing that they could use, you know, like some little thing that they could put on their music and, you know, change the, the, where they are at or something, you know, different things. (laughs) That one makes me
0: think maybe some of these camps could be used as workshops throughout the year. Um, Have you ever done that or would they work as workshops maybe to bring in a little extra
1: income during the year or add studio value? Yes. Yes. The practice workshop works great as a workshop throughout the year. I've actually had teachers that have um, bought that one. Tell me that that's how they used it as they broke it up throughout the year. And then during COVID lockdown, I recorded that one. So students actually did a recorded version of it that year. And then I have reused that recording for my adult students. So they've taken the recorded version as well. And one of my adult students who's still with me, she's been with me for probably five or six years now. She's taken that one twice Um, so and really gets a lot out of it. So, yeah.
0: That's a great idea. Is the video available to teachers or is that just something that you use with your students? Yeah, it's just
1: something I did. Yeah.
0: Do you have tips on communicating with parents and families about how summer is going to be different? I know that there are some parents who they want their kids in lessons year round and they want their kids practicing year round. How do you communicate the value of this to families?
1: Yeah. So my biggest advice is you have to believe in yourself and what you're providing and the benefits that a summer camp can provide if you aren't confident with what you have to offer and your plan they're gonna sense that <laughs> so you have to really create excitement for it and um, that is something not only fun for both the teacher and the students um, but that it's healthy for them it's a good opportunity for them to make friends friendships but that they're also learning and it also gives the big benefit for the parents is it gives them a chance to take that break and take those vacations and, and then give a chance for everybody to renew and then come back fresh during the school year. I know the argument with uh, teachers sometimes i all hear is, you know, that they don't want to take that longer break during the summers because students will forget everything that they learn and come back. But I've been doing this long enough where I have not seen that to be the case. Um, it because if it was the case, I, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah. So do you still encourage your students to practice and learn new pieces throughout the summer other besides the practice packets? And how does that look?
1: Yeah. And that's probably what helps too, is I do still encourage, even though we do have a break and we have probably a good eight weeks off, where they're not having regular lessons, I do encourage them to still play. So how I do that is I give them weekly summer challenges that I schedule uh, inside I use practice space now, and they can earn prizes if they participate. So some participate, some don't like anything, it's a choice. <laughs> they, it just, you know, during the year, it's the same thing. <laughs> Um, I don't charge anything extra. It's just part of the yearly tuition, but the ones who do it have a lot of fun with them. So to give you an example of challenges, they might be anything from um, playing a piece upside down or blindfolded or learn a piece, a Disney, you know, favorite Disney piece or composing a piece. So each week is a different challenge. Okay.
0: And so there's prizes based on how many times they practice or how many challenges they do. Yeah. How many
1: they do. Yeah. I got you. So it
0: keeps them engaged and playing in addition to the summer camps.
1: But it's a fun, a fun way, you know, it's not where it doesn't feel like they're practicing. They're doing something fun with it. Yeah. That's a really,
0: really good suggestion. Have you had families be resistant to the summer camp model where they're not having traditional lessons?
1: So I never made my camps optional, uh, even when I did not, when I did them separately, as far as tuition went, they were required. So if they were going to continue in the fall, um, they needed to take, you know, the camp or they had to pay their spot. And I did have some over the years that would actually pay to hold their spot. (laughs) So it does happen. Yeah. So now uh, I do offer that video lesson packet. So if they don't undo the camp, then they have that. And so, yeah, I, d- I really don't have the complaints. It's what I, this is your choices and you know. This yeah. Is- and I think rolling the summer
0: tuition into the 10 month
1: tuition probably
0: helps with that too, because think if they've so already too. paid
1: for it. Yeah, exactly. Do it. Yeah.
0: So there are a lot of options out there for summer. Um, You know, some teachers take the whole summer off, some just keep going, some offer group classes, or now you've presented this amazing option of summer camps. What advice would you give to teachers who might be feeling a little overwhelmed by all the different options and how can they determine what's gonna be the best for their studio and for them personally?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I I would say keep first keep it simple. Whatever you decide, Um, if you decide you want to go the summer camp routes, simplify by purchasing that camp. You know that takes a lot of the stress and overwhelm away. And then one other thing that I would also suggest, and then I'll go go back to that main question, but is figure out what you want your schedule to be during the summer. Don't Don't focus so much on, ooh, what if they want this or what if they don't want that? You know, figure out what you want first and then provide choices. So I do my research on the different... I have students that go to a million different schools. (laughs) So I actually take time and go to all those school calendars and see when they get out. Um, I could ask my parents, but, you know, trying to get response back from parents can take longer than if I just did it myself. (laughs) (laughs) so I do it myself. And then that will help me gauge on when I should even start something, you know, but I'll have to tell you one of my most popular sessions is actually before school even gets out.
0: Oh, really? Do you do it after school or what do you do? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'll have one session before school even gets out. And I have a lot of parents that will say, we would just want to get it done and out of the way and, and then do our thing in the summer. So so don't be afraid of doing that too, As having a, an option for that because it might surprise you. And I do have, when I do my options, I do say I have to have a minimum number of students that sign up for the option. So they need to choose more than one option because if I only have two students sign up for, it's not a camp, you know, it's, <laughs> so I do make sure they know that too.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea cuz sometimes there's a couple of weeks after your spring recital but before school's out where you could um have a little camp in the middle there. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Um I liked what you said about figuring out what you want your summer to look like. I know I'm a people pleaser and so if I start asking I'll end up wanting to do what everybody else right. wants. <laughs> Some people want you know, lessons all summer. Some people want one week off. Some people want a different week off. And so I think that's a really good place to start is figure out what's best for you and your family and then go from there and then present it to your families in a way like you were talking about that. It's going to be beneficial to everyone. Did you have anything else to add about summer camps or the resources that you have
1: available? Uh, well, you can find lots of blog posts, um, the camp lesson plans and activities already done for you and, and fun games on my website. So that's musiceducatorresources.com. <laughs> yeah. So tell
0: teachers, so that's your website. Are there other places where teachers can go to connect with you and find more of your resources?
1: Yeah. So you'll also see me on pretty much all the social media platforms, mainly. I'm mainly on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you can find me the most. And I'm also on YouTube where I share music teacher tips for the independent music teacher. So, matter of fact, episode um, tip number 37 is on summer camps too. So, if you want to look at that, you can.
0: Great. So, we'll put those links in the show notes. Jennifer, it was so fun to talk with you today. And thank you so much for sharing all your insights. I feel inspired about summer camps and planning for summer, and I'm sure all of our listeners will feel inspired as well. So thank you.
1: Oh, good. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's interview with Jennifer. Both Jennifer and Tim will be attending the MTNA conference in Atlanta this month. So be sure you connect with them if you're going to be there. Top Music has a number of resources available this month on the topic of summer camps that I know you'll want to check out, including the free Top Music magazine. Next week on the podcast, I'll be interviewing a longtime friend of mine, Sheila Fortson, who runs a nonprofit arts school in Chicago. So you'll want to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss that interview. I'm Rachel Ering and you've been listening to the Top Music Piano Podcast. I'll speak with you soon.
1: How do you keep up to date with all the latest trends and research into music education? How do you connect with other teachers around the world and make sure your teaching stays fresh and relevant for students of all ages and stages both now and into the future? I created our Top Music Pro membership to be the one-stop shop for music teaching resources, training, support and community and I'd love for you to come and join us inside. With over 40 comprehensive training courses, hundreds of teaching demonstrations and lesson plans, free monthly sheet music discounts and all the business and pedagogy support you could ever need top music pro is the community you've been looking for if you're ready to level up your learning from the podcast and join thousands of other teachers in our global network head over to topmusicpro.com today